1: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri Land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present, and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. I am Rana Hussein, and with me is my co-captain, Gemma Bastiani, AFL analyst extraordinaire. How are you, Gemma?
0: I'm great. I'm enjoying the new... Uh- introductions you've got each week for this that I don't know were coming.
1: I know, I like to up the ante. You've been promoted to co-captain this (laughs) week.
0: (laughs) I am the Dean Rampey of this podcast.
1: How's your week in footy been?
0: Uh, Pretty great. Let's be honest, it's been pretty great. What about for you? You are just smugly smiling this <laughs> week, aren't you? My well, we've goodness. got some great things happening this week. Both of us got a win on the weekend. We
1: did. Um,
0: I've been doing lots of AFLW stuff today, which makes me very happy. So, yeah, what's what, oh, not to lack?
1: Like. You stole a win. Is that.
0: <laughs> we've had this conversation. <laughs> All right, well... (laughs) When when you kick 12-16, you're (laughs) handing the wind to someone else. They're not stealing it from you. Fair enough. We should start... Actually, let me ask you this. What are you like at the football when you watch a game of footy? I feel like I've been asked this so many times this year. Um, A lot of people ask me this. I think I'm relatively subdued. I think I talk to myself, like, under my breath... But I'm not a yeller or anything, if that's what you're asking. And do you get
1: annoyed with people asking you questions? No. No,
0: because then I just say the things that I'm saying under my breath loudly to the people next to me. That's essentially the change. (laughs) Ask ask, uh, Lucy Race or Kirby Fenwick about that. They've experienced (laughs) it. I don't know that Kirby liked it very much, but it's fine.
1: We've got to get to a game together.
0: Well. This weekend.
1: This weekend. Could be it.
0: It's going to be a big one. We are going to talk about that game, though, <laughs> we aren't we? will.
1: Before we do that, though, we'll start with our spotlight for the week. Gemma, you were impressed with GWS this week, but is it all about Jesse Hogan
0: and his four goals? I, am, I know that I talk about liking what's happening on the field and the statistics and things like that. I love the story of Jesse Hogan coming out, playing his first game for the Giants, his third club, after some really difficult things that he's dealt with and coming out and kicking four goals in a big win. I just love that story. I think that it's huge. Um, He kicked the four goals, which is the most on the ground. Um, He had 15 disposals. And then also Tim Taranto was really big in the midfield. And again, young player, kind of starting to live up to their... Um, value, I guess, is really exciting. Jacob Hopper was another one. So Toronto had 35 disposals, seven tackles, seven clearances and 566 meters gained. So he was instrumental in the midfield. Um, Jesse Hogan, obviously instrumental up forward. And then there were other just little things about the way the Giants played that I really liked. They got their win run back thanks to Whitfield coming back as well. And the thing that I really noticed was that Adelaide have wanted to use that the running play from players like Shoal um, this year, and the Giants forced them, forced those players, those running players, to play defensive roles on their runners rather than letting them be attacking players, and that was a big part of the game.
1: Jesse Hogan, Steph Martin, Adam Saad, all on their third team.
0: Yes. All doing kind of well-ish. I think... Um, Well, they're all good players to begin with. Um, I think the other part is they came – a couple of them came in to fill a need and when you're a good player and you're filling a gap that the club needed and not just there because you're talented, you're going to have an impact straight away, aren't you?
1: Mm. I um, did feel for Steph Martin, though, against Richmond. Didn't have as good a game as he
0: has so far. but uh, You're always going to get Richmond in there, don't you? (laughs) You got called out on – I called you out last week. You called
1: me out last week for being a Richmond apologist. I just can't talk about Richmond, can I? (laughs) Look, they had a great win when a lot of us didn't tip them, so –
0: That was fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This next one, Gemma, confuses me. You've said you want to talk about St Kilda, but I'm not so sure we should be spotlighting them given how erratic they are.
0: We will get to how erratic they are, because they are, um, and a little bit later in the show we will talk about it in more depth, but mostly about St Kilda, what I want to talk about is is Zach Jones and Bradley Hill. So they're both players that have come to the club with an assumption that they can do X, and this year have struggled to live up to that, both of them have struggled, not to say the rest of the club hasn't either, but those are the two that have been under pressure. There was the conversation throughout the week about their um, kind of heated discussion at training, all this sort of stuff. Both of them came out and did it on the field, and that's the thing you want to see. You don't want to see them sparring off at training because they're so passionate that this or that. You don't want to see the club defending them because they need to defend their players. You want to see those players perform on the field, and that's what both of them did. So... Brad Hill had 27 disposals at 85% efficiency, which is super high. Five tackles, 571 metres gained, six inside 50s and six intercepts. So he was doing things on both sides. He was moving the ball well for St. Kilda. Zach Jones, who I will very quickly admit, his disposal is very rarely the highlight of his game. I'm trying to say it nicely, obviously, but... um, (laughs) He does a lot of good things and then lets himself down with the disposal. In this game, he had 37 disposals at 78%. That's really high for Zach Jones. I don't know what the highest is that he went at because I didn't look that up because it would have taken me a lot of time. But... (laughs) (laughs) Come on, Gemma. (laughs) Letting the team down this week. I'm sorry. (laughs) If it was A4W, I would have done it. Um, But he also had six tackles, five clearances and six inside 50. So these two players set up the type of game St Kilda wanted to play. And there was a big reliance on that running game, that quick game, kind of getting the ball and, and moving it forward by foot. Um super important. So they led the team after all the stuff that's happened and they had a big win. So I mean it's great for St Kilda.
1: Oh boy did they have a big win. That was a thumping. This next team that we want to spotlight, I cannot believe we are still talking about. But we have to spotlight Melbourne. It's the first time in 16 years that they have been on top of the ladder. Yeah. Gemma, tell me all about it. You know I'm so happy to talk about this.
0: So, yeah. So, when we prepped today's episode, um, I did say to you, I know that we've spoken about Melbourne a lot, but if there was ever a week to speak about Melbourne, it's today. It's this week. So, we have to again. They were really challenged in the first half. They were down by 19 points at halftime. Um Tomlinson was off with an injury quite early in the game. He's oh. the he, This year, he's the league's number one uh, one-on-one defender. So
1: heartbreaking.
0: So that's a massive loss. The thing that was very impressive, because I think a lot of Melbourne supporters, i.e. you, um, <laughs> messaging me while the game was on, um, and I should flag my brother as well, Um It was that whole, like, PTSD thing where it's like, oh, here we go. This is what we expected to happen. It couldn't be good for too long. We're just
1: waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah. Honestly, and I'll get to it in our tips, but I just, I'm still waiting for that to happen and to fall off a cliff.
0: Yeah. So the really impressive part is that in the second half, they were 19 points down against a team they should have been, let's be honest, thumping. They sorted themselves out. They had the on-field flexibility to make up for it. And, and on-field flexibility isn't just about the players at your disposal. It's your coach's willingness to make that change. Mm. And I think that's something Melbourne hasn't been very good at in the past. But the willingness of the coaching staff to move Tom McDonald into defence when they needed that rather than just try to cover it another way, which we've seen happen in the past, that... Showed a level of maturity and growth for me that we haven't seen from Melbourne in a very, very long time.
1: Yeah, to deal with that on the run and tweak on the run was pretty impressive. Did they show enough, though, against North? You know, obviously Tomlinson was out, but they just didn't come out firing at all.
0: But I think that's the whole you play to the level of your opposition thing. Like, last week they knew they had a big challenge on their hands, so they readied themselves for that. This week they're like, oh, North Melbourne, they're getting smashed every week, they're bottom of the ladder. We can go in a bit easier. And you saw that in some of the team announcement as well. Jack Viney was a late out, obviously with an injury. And Oscar Baker was the one brought in, who is not a lack for like replacement for Viney. Um, they were in a way lucky that Tom, the Tomlinson injury happened early because Nathan Jones came on and was a physical presence around the contest that they were missing without Viney being there. Mm. And by no means am I a Viney number one fan but the physicality was missing without him there and then Bailey Fritch stood up in the forward line kicked six goals so you know there's little things here but then we've got to talk about Cosy Pickett uh, who makes things happen in the forward half for Melbourne their forward line would not be operating the way it is any week this year without his quick thinking, but the, the it's not just his quick thinking, it's the awareness of when it's right for him to take the shot or when he needs to square it up because he is not a selfish player at all, but he's a small forward that also has confidence in his ability. His ability to sum that up in a millisecond and make the right decision 9.9 times out of 10 is remarkable.
1: Not to mention his effort and mm-hmm. just ability to Work run right. up and down that ground. It's incredible. I don't even think Melbourne believes what's happening (laughs) at their own club. I get the feeling that they think, oh, God, I don't know what's happening, but let's just keep doing it. I'm worried about this Tomlinson thing, though, because that back line is so good and they finally found the right place for him. I wouldn't want to shake the apple cart too much.
0: There's a few schools of thought in terms of how they do their team announcement this week. As we record this, Bailey Fritch is suspended for the week. Mm. Um, This may change while we're recording. So if that's wrong by the time you listen to this, apologies. But um, what I would personally prefer to see them do is bring in Harry Petty to replace Tomlinson in defence. Bring in Sam Wiedemann to replace Fritch up forward. And then if Sam Wiedemann and Ben Brown both perform well in that forward line, the following week when Fritch comes back, just move Tom McDonald into Harry Petty's role and drop Harry Petty out. That would be how I would do it from an outside perspective. There are other people that think that there's some midfield change that needs to happen with James Harms, and and that's a different conversation. But I think all we want to see is very little change, and that would be what I would do.
1: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/achieve today. Well, now that we've basked in the positive, it's time for pull your socks up. We've got to turn our eye to who could have been better this round, Gemma. Who needed to pull their socks up this week?
0: Oh, scoring accuracy! It does my head in. <laughs> Across both competitions. And I've just spent a week looking at AFLW scoring and, you know, Melbourne, goodness me. Um, I wish the <laughs> listeners could see your face right now. You really are frustrated. It's just, it's teams play so well and then let themselves down in front of goal. And it, as a coach, like, it must be the most frustrating thing. But, and, and this goes back to the top of the show that you brought up, Geelong and Sydney. Geelong kicked 12-16. A mark in the dying second of a game could have papered over the fact that you kicked 12-16. You know what I mean? So this week, it was the middle of the ground week for accuracy across the competition this year so far. So across seven weeks, this was the fourth most accurate um, round, which in itself says a lot given some of the Results. Eight teams scored at 50% or lower this week. Sydney was the highest with exactly 70% accuracy. Adelaide went at 21%. They kicked 415. So, And they weren't the only ones that kicked that poorly. Port Adelaide kicked 514 as well. It's just frustrating because you're creating those opportunities for yourself. And then you let yourself down.
1: You really, really are discombobulated right now. You just are very frustrated.
0: I think the reason I'm quite frustrated is because, like, and it's a biased perspective given the fact that I'm a Sydney supporter in the men's competition and the fact that the conversation around the Sydney Geelong game, as you alluded to at the start, was that Sydney stole it because of a poor umpiring decision in the final seconds compared to the fact that Geelong didn't take their opportunities and could have, should have been much further ahead and not have that happen and the f- way the media run away with the umpiring conversation instead of actually look at what happened during the game to address it and I think that's why it's frustrating me.
1: I think that's fair, but it also is to do with the fact that the AFL came out and said it was a mistake that umpiring decision, and so
0: and Geelong won a game on an umpiring mistake earlier in the year. I was going to say year.
1: actually that Geelong owed the footy gods a game, so
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of like there's no
1: bad karma now. I think we can, you know, reset with Geelong
0: and they're they're good to go now. But just kick straight. You had twenty eight shots on goal. All right, you're on blast, Geelong. And everybody Everyone. else <laughs> kicks
1: straight is the message. I have someone who needs to pull their socks up yeah. and I'm very mad at this person.
0: Is it me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's me. I need to pull my socks up, sadly. I've been calling other people out and this week I'm calling myself out because <laughs> I tipped so badly. <laughs> I mean, I don't tip well in general, And I'm a little bit blasé about it, but I only got two right. Wow. West Coast and Melbourne. Wow. (laughs) And every other game I tipped incorrectly. And it just made for a really disappointing weekend of football for me. So I'm I'm putting myself on blast. I need to be much smarter about my tips this week.
0: I got three right, too. So. <laughs> See,
1: it was a terrible round, I think, for everybody. Just a lot of upsets, I guess.
0: I think it's also such a weird season as well.
1: It is, which makes me love it. I'm actually really glad that that's the case, but I just thought, oh, Rana. <laughs> Get it together. Okay, I guess what? What? The presser is back. For another week, this is, of course, my favourite segment where we ask the questions we would be too shit-scared to ask in person if we were, in fact, in the press conference. What would you ask a coach in the press room, Gemma? Who are you asking a question to? Uh,
0: I'd love to ask Brett Ratton how he goes about addressing St Kilda's inconsistency this year because it's not just, oh, they dropped away a little bit this week. They'll get it back next week. The way they're swinging from positive to negative is so out of control. They're
1: Tarzan in the jungle. (laughs) Swinging from
0: tree to tree. I mean, sure. (laughs) Result to result. They've had a margin swing of 90 or more points from one week to another three times this year. That's ridiculous. So... They've done it between round four and round f- uh, round th- three and round four. Sorry, they lost by seventy five points in round three and then won by twenty in round four. That's a ninety five point swing. Between may as
1: well, just put their keys in a bowl
0: already. I mean, <laughs> 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 that's a reference for old people. <laughs> um, between round four and round five, they so their twenty point win into an eighty six point loss. That's a hundred and six point swing. And then round se- uh, six to round seven, they lost round six by uh, 54 points and one round seven by 69. That's a 123-point swing. Like, that is – how do you address that?
1: So what is actually happening at St Kilda, then? How do we account for that?
0: Obviously, uh, skill level of opponent has something to do with it, but also, you know, the work rate and effort – whether it's there or not. A few weeks ago, we were talking about St Kilda having laid, I think it was 20 tackles to half time or something really low, or 11 tackles to half time. That's a work rate thing. We talked about Cozzie Pickett before how his work rate impacts Melbourne across the field. St Kilda aren't getting that consistent level of work rate each week. Otherwise, these margins wouldn't be as significant.
1: All right then. Well, Brett Ratton. Get back to us, post (laughs) us your response and we'll read it out on the pod. I have a question that a listener would like to ask. This person has asked to remain anonymous and you'll hear why. She would like to ask Nathan Buckley a question in the presser. And the question is a corker. How did you factor in the likelihood that Dagoe might be in jail by the end of the year in his contract negotiations? Ooh, I can see why that one hasn't come up yet. But it's certainly on all of our minds, isn't it?
0: It's a very real, like we talk about contracts in all sorts of forms that absolutely would have an impact or you would expect it to have an impact unless they think that it's a foregone conclusion that he won't, be imprisoned for the allegations. Which is still
1: makes it a really interesting question to ask and uh, and then begs the next question is why do you assume that he isn't? Mm. Oh I don't think we can uh, weigh in on that but oh well mine is less controversial than that but perhaps just as cheeky I would like to ask Justin Longmuir do you wish you coached the women's team? <laughs> Don't you think he's just a little bit wishing he was Trent Cooper? <laughs> that team is so talented and they played finals. Surely he's thinking, just give me that team. I want the girls.
0: I accept have tears in my eyes because I, <laughs> you know, did. I didn't know you were going to say that. And that has absolutely set me off. Um, oh, I felt sorry for him watching him in the coach's box. Like just, just the disappointment and yeah. his head in his hands so much. It's just, I know that they've been dealing with injuries and stuff, but far out that second half.
1: These coaches are really going to hate me, <laughs> <laughs> I think, by the end of this season. But uh, anyway, if you have a question that you would like to ask but you would be too scared to ask in person, send it to us on Twitter via at Play on Radio Melb, and we'll read it out. We love to hear them. <laughs> It's time for us to anoint our play-on performer of the round. This, of course, goes to the player we think stood out the most this round. Gemma, tell us who it is.
0: So this week, I know that everyone watching this game uh, thinks a different player was the best on ground, but Hugh Greenwood stood out to me above and beyond in this. And he does so regularly, but I think in this game it kind of was very, very obvious. His physicality on the field, not in terms of, um, you know, fighting with people or off the ball stuff, but the way he uses his body to win the ball, to um, support his teammates is just so apparent, and I love watching him play the way he can go in the air as well as win the ball on the ground, his willingness to tackle. So against Collingwood on the weekend, he had 26 disposals, 10 tackles, 12 clearances and kicked a goal. His 2021 average is 19.7 disposals, 9.1 tackles and 7.1 clearances. That is outrageous. Defensively, offensively, the way he supports his teammates in the middle, especially without having a recognized ruck in their side as well. He's doing everything at ground level he can to even the playing field for the Suns. And it's so joyful to watch when they're not playing against the team you love. Um, (laughs) But you know, I think his recruitment to the Suns is proving to be as important, as special as the Lockie Weller recruitment, which everyone talks about. So I'm just excited to watch Hugh Greenwood play every week, really.
1: That was a big win for them against Collingwood. So good. Uh, A Gold Coast, a good side, Gemma.
0: We need to wait until round 10 to decide that with Gold Coast because that's about their tipping point usually. If they can continue this sort of form past round 10, we might be in with a go. They might be looking at their first final series.
1: Wow. I would really love to see that. All right, well, speaking of future rounds, Gemma, tell us which game of the next round is
0: your game
1: that you're spotlighting?
0: So it's an obvious one. Melbourne and Sydney at the (laughs) MCG on Saturday night. Like, this is going to be huge. And I know my personal allegiances probably build it up a little bit more, but it's first place fourth. Melbourne are going to be without some key players Sydney are getting some key players back and finding that form again. I think the most important two players to the Swan side is Tom Hickey and Dane Rampey. With the potential of Dane Rampey being back and Tom Hickey came back last week, this is looking like a really exciting matchup. Both sides want to play that quick footy. Both sides are high-scoring sides on average, so... Uh, Melbourne are scoring an average of 92.4 points a game. Sydney are averaging 95 points a game, which is second in the comp. Melbourne, you know, have found this run that they want to play with, which is exactly what Sydney have started hitting as well. My only concern for the Swans is if Melbourne can get on top at the contest, so at the stoppages. I think that could be where Melbourne take it from Sydney. But other than that, it's very evenly matched, which is... So exciting. Just what you want from a
1: Saturday night game.
0: It's going to be the first men's match I go to in a year and a half.
1: Do you get all decked out? No. What? No face painting? I'm too cool for that, right? Oh, okay. You're one of those. I'm one of those. (laughs) Well, I am looking, speaking of Gold Coast Suns, I am looking at the Gold Coast Suns versus St Kilda because this is the other game that I'm actually quite excited about. It's on Saturday at 2.10pm at Metricon Stadium. So I think this game is quite interesting because of how bananas both teams are at the moment. (laughs) We talked about the Swingin' Saints. Please, I'm not asking for it, but I'm kind of asking for some um, fan pics of the Swingin' Saints. Please, <laughs> graphic designers, get to it. Look, the Saints off a win is really interesting. Will the momentum be enough despite the travel for them? But Gold Coast also coming off a win as well, and they're playing stronger footy than they ever have before. And we just spoke about it. Last time they met, it was a pretty close finish with the Saints just pipping them at the end. But I've got some stats for you, (gasps) Gemma. You brought stats? I brought numbers. This is as good as my numbers can get. They're pretty basic, but go with me. St Kilda or Gold Coast have never beaten St Kilda every time they've played. Mm -hmm. In 2020, it was Saints by four. 2019, Saints by four. 2019, again, Saints by one. 2018 saints by two and then just pretend 2017 didn't happen because it was saints by 31 but really close
0: finishes so the last four meetings were by four points or less yes
1: i think it's going to be a great game
0: i'm excited for it watch that go to the mcg what a good afternoon day Saturday yeah and I
1: don't hate the Gold Coast Suns song I know everyone thinks of the those two it's a great song (laughs) Uh, please keep that in Gemma I really hope listeners you just heard Gemma humming the Gold Coast (laughs) Suns song it's a ripper song I think it doesn't get enough credit because that amazing GWS song gets all the The credit
0: the GWS song is the best in the competition but The Suns do also have the trumpet after the goals, which is brilliant. (laughs) Everyone loves it. It's so good. It's great. Anyway. That's the fan engagement we want to see. (laughs) Yeah, not pop music after a goal. So loud. Let me talk to my friends. Way too loud. All
1: right. Well, those are our two games that we're going to be looking out for. And yes, Saturday night, you and I might not be talking. (laughs) We'll see.
0: I hope that my mum refuses to speak to me on Sunday is what I'm saying. Okay. My mother's a Melbourne supporter. That's the context there. (laughs) I don't want to annoy my mum, but Sunday is Mother's Day. So hopefully we're not on speaking terms on Mother's Day. So there we are.
1: Oh, so it's going to get real personal for you, Gemma
0: not for me, but for her. For
1: the family. (laughs) I'm
0: okay with it. I'll still talk. (laughs) Mum, however, will be unhappy with me. (laughs) All right.
1: Well, I look forward to hearing your tips in a second, but we've got some listener questions and we've got some really interesting ones coming through. And And I I
0: haven't seen these, so I'm
1: very curious. Totally going to put you on the spot here. Let's get into them. Our first listener asked, What on earth are the issues at Hawthorne and what do they need to do to find some
0: form? Hawthorne is a rebuilding side and we need to face that. Everyone seems to have this assumption that Hawthorne should be a top four side this year. Teams go through phases. It's Hawthorne's turn to find young talent. They haven't been overly willing to blood that young talent in recent years. So it's all coming at once. That's just how how it is with a footy list and, you know, let them, it's trial trial and error at the moment with what works and what doesn't. They've snatched a couple of dramatic wins, which should buoy the fans through some of the poorer losses that they're going to have. It's just, it's a season that you're looking at the future for and not the right now. That's all it is. All right, Hawkers,
1: you heard it from a very feisty Gemma. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this next question asks, felt like Essendon was playing Sam Walsh. Without his game, would Essendon have won that game against Carlton? I mean... Shoulda, coulda, woulda. What so, are you going to do?
0: <laughs> it's like saying that when you're playing Richmond, you they played Shea Bolton, who was great on the weekend. Like, sometimes... You just have one player in your team that stands up and carries everyone with them. Look at the Adelaide women's team. Ebony Marinoff and Chelsea Randall carry that team a lot of the time because they're the ones that get the other players on their back. Look at the Swans men's team. Chad Warner was the one who was like, all right, I'm going to change the momentum of this game, picks the Swans up, dusts them off, kicks a big goal, and it changes the momentum. That's just how team sports are sometimes. Someone has to step up and take the lead, and Sam Walsh was the guy.
1: Do teams now tag... Sam Walsh quite heavily. He's a very
0: good player. You have to put some effort into him because he is going to tear you up. He's not only very skillful, but he's a good runner and he's very intelligent. So he knows where he wants to put the ball. He has the ability to do it and he's got the fitness to do it all game. That's what makes a great player and that's why he's going to be a future captain of that team. And Brownline medalist, surely. Brilliant player to watch. And also Harry Mackay... You, I mean, mark him better. Don't let the don't let him take the marks that he did, or or you know, Essendon mm. <laughs> aren't the there yet.
1: No, Doesn't and they're another there.
0: rebuilding side. Yeah. Look at how young their team is. They're so keen. Their supporters are so keen to talk about how young their team is and this and that. With a young team comes inconsistency. We're seeing that across a number of teams this year and always will and always have. That's just what happens when you have a young team. Interesting though. Nathan Buckley said something similar
1: about his own side. Not that they're that young, but that they are not a top eight side. And why is everybody assuming that they're going to be playing finals? Which was a weird comment to make about his own team, but it kind of makes sense. They're not the most talented side.
0: What are the teams we've just spoken about? Hawthorne, Collingwood and Essendon. What are those three teams? Teams in the AFL? Three big Victorian (laughs) sides that the media talks about needing Mm. to be constantly good. Mm. Because it's in the AFL's interest and the media's interest that those teams are the talking point because they have the biggest membership bases. Therefore, they're going to get the most views or clicks or whatever it is, most ticket sales. So if those teams are doing poorly, they want to address it quickly because they want those members to still be coming to games. If they're playing poorly, less members are coming to games, right? It's capitalism.
1: Oh, (laughs) the big C word at the end of the pod. Wowza, we've really gotten there. Can't believe we made it. Gemma, something was in your coffee today. I'm
0: trying to work out why I'm like this.
1: (laughs) I'm loving it. I think it's great. I want the feisty Gemma every week, please. (laughs) This is excellent. Next question. What can the Bulldogs take out of their loss to Richmond?
0: Oh, that they're still a very good side, but need to be able to slow momentum of opposition. And I think that's the thing that has been an issue for the Dogs, particularly defensively. The Dogs' defence has been the shakiest part of the ground for them all year. They were caught out this week. They need to find a way to batten down the hatches in that defence. Otherwise, teams that are high-scoring, like Melbourne, like Sydney, are going to tear them apart. They need to address that now before they play them.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's too much to worry about. No. Richmond did unstitch their defence, but they can work on that. Yeah. Uh, Still... On Richmond, what does the Tigers win Sans Dusty et al. mean for the Tiger lineup?
0: Uh, I mean, all this talk that it's the greatest home and away win in the Tigers' recent history. Sorry, no. I know they're without Dustin Martin. He barely played the week before against Melbourne as well.
1: Like No Dusty, no Prestia, no Lambert.
0: Great. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was a pretty impressive win, it, it was a fine win. But there was no Dunkley, there was no English, who else was missing for the dogs? You know, like, the angle is always on why Richmond are great rather than the actual balanced conversation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I do. And at the risk of being called a... Uh, Richmond apologist? A Richmond
1: apologist. Well, to not risk that, I won't continue. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm not having a go at Richmond fans or anything, but let's be, let's be real that's the slant that a lot of conversations like that have right it's not
1: the second coming
0: no i mean <laughs> chill out everyone also it's round seven calm the fuck down <laughs> oh we've had the c word <laughs> yeah,
1: fun. wow i don't know what's happening today but we're,
0: it's it's i've spent the day on my orange
1: <laughs> it's off the hook Alright then, well we better wrap this up given the swear words uh <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm rolling out. Uh but we'll get our tips before we finish up. Friday night, Richmond versus Geelong, the grand final rematch.
0: Oh yeah, it is, isn't it?
1: <laughs> we probably could have previewed that one, but It's uh, not that interesting. It isn't actually. No, I
0: actually don't I wasn't
1: I'm not really that interested.
0: No. Uh I'm gonna tip Richmond. But I've tipped Richmond as well. I think Geelong want to play that possession football. And it's really interesting because if you look at the way North Melbourne's women's team played this year, that's how Geelong's men are playing. And
1: what really lippy on the field.
0: (laughs) Slower football. They don't want to take those risks. They're willing to just possess the football and take a lot of, like, uncontested marks until they can get the ball forward. You can open up sides that way if sides aren't alert to it, but you can also be punished very harshly on the turnover because of it, and I think that's what Richmond are going to do to Geelong. You heard
1: it here first. Saturday, GWS Giants versus Essendon. I have tipped GWS.
0: So have I. Uh, Toby Green's going to kick 12.
1: He's going to kick ass. Uh, Gold Coast Suns versus St Kilda. We talked about this already, but we didn't get your tip. Who do you think is going to win this?
0: Oh, you're throwing it to me first. Um, I'm going with the Suns. I really like their on-ball brigade. Um, and I know that St Kilda have that really good ruck duo back, but we've seen the Suns deal with their lack of ruck in a very, very intelligent way, and I think that'll continue.
1: Yeah, I've tipped the Suns as well. I think Brandon Ellis will have another great game. Uh, We've got North Melbourne versus Collingwood as well on Saturday. Thoughts?
0: I'm tipping North Melbourne in this.
1: I've tipped the pies, but I don't feel good about it. It doesn't... uh,
0: It's going to be a bad game, let's be honest. (laughs) But I think this will be North's win for the year.
1: Oh, wow. I really feel for the Pies.
0: Why? I don't know. They've done this to themselves. I really feel They're for They're paying them. for Adam Trelaw to win games at Western Bulldogs. It's on them. I think North will win this. Oh, sorry, Pies fans. All right,
1: still on Saturday night. We talked about it. Melbourne versus Sydney at the MCG. Gemma will be there. Who's going to win?
0: This is really difficult. Uh, I'm going to go. I've written down Melbourne. I'm going to go with Sydney based on a few team uh, personnel announcements in recent hours.
1: Yeah, I've gone with Sydney, which is really hard for me to say, but here's the thing. Every time I have tipped against Melbourne this year, they've won. And this last round I tipped Melbourne and they almost lost.
0: So so you've tipped against Melbourne every week except last week, is what you're telling me. Yeah,
1: because I... Good fan. I'm so nervous. <laughs> I Just, I'm too scared to tip them. And I tipped them against North and they weren't great, so...
0: I just think that the Swans have proven already this year against Richmond that they can that their game style works very well on the width of the MCG. I know there's not a significant difference between the SCG and the MCG, but there is a difference in size, and I think that works in the Swans' favour. And if Rampy and Buddy are back, plus Tom Hickey is there, that bodes very well for the Swans.
1: And still on Saturday night, I hate that there are games that are played at the same time on a Saturday night. It really upsets me.
0: We got so used to... Games not overlapping. Uh, The fixturing wasn't ideal, but we got used to them not overlapping in AFLW. And now it feels weird that you have to choose one or the other.
1: Yeah, it's very hard to do.
0: Especially given these two clashing. Melbourne and Sydney is a big game this weekend. And then it's the showdown. Like, wow.
1: Well, the showdown is, of course, Port Adelaide versus Adelaide Crows at the Adelaide Oval. I have tipped Port Adelaide. Yeah, same. Pretty obvious. (laughs) Although there is going to be egg on our face if we're wrong. Let's look at Sunday's games. Hawthorne versus West Coast Eagles at the MCG. Who have you tipped?
0: I'm going West Coast. As
1: am I. Western Bulldogs versus Carlton at Marvel Stadium.
0: See, I'm so tempted to tip Carlton because I don't think that the Dogs defence can handle... Harry Mackay in particular. But I'm still going to go the safe bet and tip the dogs.
1: I've gone safe as well and picked Western Bulldogs. But you're right. I think that could be an upset. Uh, And I'm going to be really annoyed if that happens. (laughs) I really want my tips to go well this (laughs) week. It was so (laughs) devastating. And the last game of the round, Brisbane Lions versus Frio. What do you think?
0: So this is the one that's just been moved uh, because of... Covid stuff in WA. Um, funny how Brisbane is the team that's been involved in both games being re- moved so far this year. Um, I'm going Brisbane in this one.
1: Yeah, as am I. I think it's another no-brainer here, but you never know, as this Literally, season is showing no us. Clue. All right. Well, that's it for today's episode. If people want to find you, Gemma, how can they?
0: I'm at gl on Twitter. If you want to talk to me.
1: And I am at Rana Hus on Twitter, and we are at Play on Radio Mal. Please send us your questions. We love to hear them. Like and review us as well, and tell a friend to listen. Thanks for joining us again for another week. Who needs love when you've got footy, actually? Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance, or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. AdWanted UK is the provider of single-source media data for agencies, media owners, brands, and academic institutions. And thanks to our rebranded news offering called The Media Leader, we can also lead the way in championing excellence and inclusion in the media industry. To find out more, simply visit the-media-leader.com to subscribe to our daily bulletins. The Media Leader, from AdWanted UK.